I thought we could start off with uh, 21 Bridges. Mm -hmm. um, so I I'd more had thoughts. I didn't have questions. And Adrian actually submitted like a really good question. So I, <laughs> very long. <laughs> no, but I, I thought it was like, I think it's like a good starting off point. Um, were, Sabrina, were you able to watch it? Yeah, I watched it last week. Okay, cool. So everyone did watch it. Um, so I don't know, Adrian. Do, do you want to like lead with this question? Yeah, sure. So my question is: Despite being the good cop within the story, Chadwick Boseman's character is still used what might be viewed as excessive force in some cases. For instance, in the last scene where he just shot everyone. <laughs> do you think it was excessive? Because I mean, like he didn't fire the first shot, right? So maybe it's self-defense. Mm. And then if so, does this undercut his position as the hero of the story? And then I was also thinking about how much violence or force is acceptable from cops in movies, especially when there's been so much media about cops going rogue and yet being still being seen as heroes. Uh, and I thought of this particularly because I've been watching <clears throat> some like YouTube videos about different films and themes and stuff. And they were talking about this theme, especially like just the rogue cop theme. And they use some examples from Rush Hour, uh, Law and Order, and even Brooklyn Nine-Nine in that case. Because like, I mean, even though Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like I love it so much, but you know, you would not really want the, tr the cops to treat you like that sometimes. Like sometimes they do things that are like definitely like cops should not be doing those things. So anyway, so I was just thinking about like um, his character within this story, like how much of a rogue cop is he and like, does it undercut him being a good cop? And what are your opinions about it? Oh. Mm, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyone want to start off? Um, I think it's a hard one. Just mm -hmm. because when I watched this film, um, I didn't kind of like pick it apart like I usually do. I think it was the mm. first time I just allowed myself to kind of just enjoy the film. And I don't mm. know if it's because I knew that um, he had passed away. So I thought, let me mm. just kind of like enjoy the movie for what it is. Mm. Um, so I didn't kind of like pick it apart. But like the whole concept of like good cop, bad cop, and then um, them going rogue. Um, I think because I've seen it so many times in films. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's like an exaggeration on like what cops are like or if it really is like that but there is definitely um a theme that is replicated um when i think of this um film sometimes it kind of makes me think of the film chaos and that's with wesley snipes and jason statham don't quote me on that wrong, but jason statham's definitely in it and um they're like both cops, one goes rogue and the other one like appears to be good. Won't spoil the um, film for you, but the whole um, concept of like shadiness going on um, within like different police departments and them kind of thinking it's acceptable to kind of um, behave that way. That's always paired up with a cop that's good, but is kind of like misunderstood. I don't, they never really pair that kind of match up with um a character that is just all around everybody loves them and comes and saves the day it, they're always kind of um justice always comes about by the cop that has like been hard done by or has got like a stick on his shoulder there's always something defining 
about that car. And I don't know if that's how they just match it up. Um, but I, I would say that his actions, I think because of how they played him out to kind of be kind of to the point and direct and quite um, forceful with the way he acts, um, I think I'm not really surprised by the final scene. Um, mm. I think it was all kind of, you were going to see him kind of show what they've been building him up to be. I've always made mm. out like this kind of, he's that cop. So I wasn't surprised when he kind of just went all out at the end. If anything, I thought he would have kind of been pushed to the edge um, a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like that was such a long-winded... No, no, no. I mean, it's it's not... There isn't a yes or no answer. I and then think about it through my head, whereas before I would have kind of, like, dissected it, like, bit by bit. Hazel, do, do you have a point to add? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, I think... Oh. Um, uh, yeah, I'm uh, similar to Sabrina. I kind of just enjoyed the film, but like they did really show him, like even at the end, like he was trying not to kill them as much as possible. Do you know what I mean? They mm-hmm. tried to show that he was really trying to not kill, especially that big boss guy. And they mm-hmm. showed, yeah, so he was, I don't know, like I guess I don't pick these kind of films apart I guess I've seen so many films like this that I'm just immune to seeing cops shooting and shooting and shooting in a film Mm. but yeah they did show him at the beginning like they presented him at the beginning like our first impression of him is like he's got maybe an issue with shooting people like so that was presented right at the beginning but then by the end I thought I didn't think of him as a bad guy I guess like I felt like he was Mm. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in that position, like killing people, but um, they showed him really trying to not, like it was like the complete bleep bleep last resort, like mm-hmm. not to get killed himself. And they were trying to kill him not for a good reason at all. And yeah. Well, I think what is tricky with this one is that, just I'm talking very generally, but um. Oh my god, what is what oh Andre, that's the name of Chadwick Boseman's character, right? Like as you see him as a kid at the funeral in the beginning of the scene. Oh, I sh- we should have said spoiler, but whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, he I undergoes think people would expect spoilers. Oh, oh true, true. Yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> no worry. Um, so we it. Um, he has undergone a trauma, so he is, you know, on the right side of the law and whatnot, but his character is like really layered but then on the other side like the the bad guy i can't remember like sienna miller's character and like those guys um oh yeah yeah frank good memory yeah like Mm -hmm. of course when we see them through um andre's lens they appear to be bad but in the end um they want to survive like they want to do their jobs they're trying to take care of their kids and whatnot yeah of course they're corrupt but you can see like why they did it so no one is black and white bad or good yeah, but they so shouldn't I, be killing him over it. That's a bit much. No, of like course killing not. But Andre over it. No, but he got in the way, right, of their protected yeah. scheme. So I feel I like mean, this one was. Big... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I what feel... do you, what do you what do you all think? I feel like it wasn't justified. Their little corruption scheme. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't agree with it. By the way, I'm, like, <laughs> record, I don't justify it. But sourcing corruption was that <laughs> 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 
I thought it was a very interesting right. film. No. Like I didn't watch the trailer or anything, so I didn't know what was coming. So I was like, oh, like it was uh, like it was quite an exciting film. <laughs> oh, interesting fact. Um, actually, yeah. So, so f- for the record, um, I, I was trying to. I think it's it's interesting like the way we've we've taken this because I think when we normally talk about police films it's like that guy was so bad he killed x amount of people but this one it was like many moving parts but interesting fact I don't know if you all saw this but Sienna Miller Frankie um I think she exposed the the company director whatever for not being paid uh, highly paid as the male actors and so Chadwick Boseman donated part of his salary in solidarity it's like oh, such an amazing man but yeah it was just specifically about that movie um anyways uh other other thoughts just in in, in general I think this is a really good question because we can't really explicitly answer it uh, I just wanted to leave you with some parting thoughts I guess because uh I just wanted to explain, like, actually, well, more of the context of the question I was thinking about was, like, because when I was mm-hmm. watching it, I kept thinking about, like, all the police brutality that I've been seeing recently, like, especially in the U.S., right? So, like, I was kind of looking at those characters and thinking about that. So it was a little bit hard to watch in some t- in some places because it was, like, I wonder how accurate this is to, like, what cops really do. Like, there were... Like, his character was not that excessive, I think, compared to the other characters. Like, there was, um, like, when they, like, woke up that woman in the middle of the night, like, there were, like, some cops that were, like, shoving her, and it was very violent. And then, like, there was, like, where they were going to see the suspect at the club, and, like, one of the cops just shoots him, you know. So, I felt like, so because looking at those um, acts of excessive force and then thinking about police brutality, like in the U.S., it was kind of like, well, how how true is this? How not true is this? And, you know, it was good that Chadwick Boseman's character did have more of a, a level-headed position. He was like the one that was like less excessive, I think. But anyway, I was just thinking about like portrayals of the police in general and then like where should we draw the line of how violent and how excessive that is and how much can that inform like the public's opinions about where the line should be for cops you know so that was kind of like the overall thought i had so anyway (laughs) i think like no no that's really um oh sorry no mine's really quick um just at the club when they rolled up and they just shoved that woman and just like shot um the guy that was talking to a woman, I don't know if you guys remember the scene. Mm-hmm. And then when the boss came back, he, he asked them like, Hey, what happened? They were like, everyone here was being violent. It's like, no, people were just dancing. Like they do at a club. And that really mirrored the reports that we see where the police are like, no, the suspect was really violent. It's like, they were just in walking. that scene, you, I thought they shot you were him just being because of their whole corruption scheme. I thought they did it on purpose because of their whole corruption thing. It, it, yeah, it wasn't on purpose. Mm, yeah. it was like, he was the way no, they. Ex- he was asking for drinks. Yeah, and yeah, with yeah, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was really yeah. bad. Sorry, Sabrina. You know, it's interesting hearing your views on it because when I watched it, those kind of thoughts didn't really kind of like enter my mind. Or when they did, it was just for a split second. Oh. And I think that's just because mm. I've seen so many films and like themes are just replicated. Um, mm. I think I'm mm. kind of desensitized. I think when I watch it, for me, it's just action film. Um, oh, wow. I think 
with what's going on this with how predominant kind of um, police brutality has been in the media this year Mm. um I think that had some kind of influence when I was watching it to kind of think oh like this is kind of like a different side of it it's not like um rape crime or whatever we're seeing in the media it's like a different angle Mm. of it but then I thought and then but then this is just a film and I've seen so many films like this and just dive back into the film and I think Mm. yeah um when I do go back and reflect on it, like listening to what you've said, I can totally like um, agree with what you said because um, I think it is hard to watch. But like I've said, I think I've become so desensitized, not only to kind of films, but to the media. So like my mind just mm-hmm. switches off. Like um, even when I see things like new reports of police brutality, it's just I can't engage with it on any mm-hmm. kind of like level. Um, because I think it's just the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I feel like we're to, we're starting to go blue in the face with how many times we can mm-hmm. we can kind of scream um, about it. I think if it was to do um, more so the police brutality that we see in the media and not kind of the drug angle on it, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have been able to watch it. I feel like seeing that in a film, um, there's certain things uh, where race is portrayed in films where I just can't, wa- like, I can probably watch it, but I have to be in the right frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And it will probably take yeah. multiple attempts to get through it. Um, yeah. Just because of, like, um, relating to it. But with this one, I think because it was about drugs, mm-hmm. um, even though police brutality in any form is just, is just not acceptable, I think it's like the lesser of two evils in terms of police brutality um Mm. but it also showed like the layers of kind of what actually goes on and how it kind of filters through so when people are like oh um newbies need uh, training properly etc who's training them and this film showed that it's not just like fresh people that are coming onto the force that are getting involved in this it's people mm. that are at the top that are actually feeding feeding it down and making it acceptable. Um, so when we do say like it's reflected in the media, uh, mm. that you really kind of need to change the whole police department. You can't just fire one or two. It's so true because as we've seen, it's, it's the ones that hire up that make this corruption in any form acceptable and justify it. Well, that's um that reminds me of Kevin Maxwell's book. I think I brought it up to you guys. He is a uh gay man, gay British man who essentially got ousted by the police force and one of the things that he was saying was it's not even just people at the top, it's the people who are training the newbies. So they're recycling the the corruption, you know, in in circles, which is a bit problematic, but yeah, I mean, I mean, he he wrote a p- book on police brutality here, and it's still relevant to to the U.S. as well, which which is a little bit sad. Um, do you all have any more thoughts before we move on? This is a heavy thing to accept the tone of I also watched it in a very desensitized kind of way. I was just watching it as a film, especially because it was about corruption. I didn't think about like things in the media. And um, 
as a whole, like the film made the police look absolutely terrible. So they weren't, mm -hmm. I don't think they were necessarily, uh, I mean, if people see violence in the air, maybe they normalize it, but I mean, they, it, the film definitely wasn't being like, oh, look how great the police were. It was making the police look terrible. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, even with him as like being the kind of like savior who kind of like cracks the case and everything, it still wasn't. I don't feel it like it was rewarding, even though he kind of cracked down on everything and had the shootout and everything was was kind of okay at the end. Mm -hmm. I felt like I felt like the weight had been lifted off my shoulder. Like, oh bloody hell, you've it's been solved. But there wasn't kind of oh the police done a great job. It was like whoa, that was. That was tough. Mm, yeah. yeah, and he's got mm. to live with killing all those people. And then oh, how does he bring yeah. that case no. up? Like, are other people going to try and stop him? It's like the 83rd precinct involved. Like, you know, like, you know, like, you know what happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I, I liked. Because when um, I started watching it, um, I was trying to kind of gauge what type of film it was in the beginning. Mm. Um, and then when I kind of got the gist that it was all going to be done within the night, that it wasn't going to like span over days. Mm. Um, I feel like it was just like a snippet. So like when I studied film, um, there's like different types of like stories that you can have. Um, mm. And this one is just like one where it's kind of like, you jump into the film. Um, there wasn't really a build up to the film apart from when it was younger and then it fast forwarded to like right into the action. And then at the end, it wasn't kind of like, um, there was a conclusion. I wouldn't say it was like a solid book closed because after the final scene, it's like what you guys have said, um, what actually happened to him, like look what he uncovered and look what went down. Like there is just so much more to the story and like after the story and before the story, but we only get that kind of, that night. night um, also, oh, sorry. Okay, um, I know I know this is like not the point of the film model, but how do you function at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. after staying up that long? Like you're <laughs> running around. I didn't, I didn't think about that. <laughs> I do because I guess they had adrenaline, a lot of adrenaline. Oh, yeah, true, true. I would love to read um research article about that. But do we know why it's called 21 Bridges? Yeah, because um, they closed down 21 Bridges. Okay, yeah, just 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 making sure. Um, <laughs> no, because I I have to like I, I had this moment where it's like, wait, is there like a deeper meaning to this? But if, uh, if that's what you all think, then okay, I, I'm, I thought uh, when we were called Twenty More Bridges, I thought there was going to be a deep meaning, and then as soon as you said you're going to lock down all Twenty One Bridges, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah. So I love it when they. Oh, three tunnels the title in the, in the dialogue oh yeah oh okay that's what the title means thanks <laughs> oh, no. um just and what we just want one one other thing i want to mention was actually two things sorry i'll i'll be really quick one when frankie's like yeah you can use my phone it's like a bitch lmsi was calling you the entire time are you just gonna show andre your phone like did you want to be caught what are you doing? You know, like I'm... I don't think she had any other choice. That that said no. My phone's that too. That's how sucked mm -hmm. I was into the film. Oh. 
Like yeah. when that all happened, I had to rewind it because I was like, wait, something very important just happened. And I'm trying to remember why this is an important moment. So I like <laughs> with the phone and I'm like, like really looking up, but wow, is that how kind of like sucked into the film I was that mm. I'm just not paying attention to like <laughs> I'm not like in my head. I yeah. detective mode when I watch films. I'm like, okay, who I try to pick out who the bad guy is at the beginning, and then track their movements yeah. through the film. Like I really do kind of get in there with films. So mm. with this one, I actually just let myself go and enjoy it. And I thought with the whole phone thing, that is something I would have picked up on so quick. But I just <laughs> well, she she was just like, yeah, I'll let you. She was just giving away, and then the second thing was, I cannot for the life of me remember the the ah uh, the the kid that they're trying to capture. What's his name? The the one that then ends oh, up dying. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah, like, Michael? yeah, Michael. Oh yeah, yeah, Michael, Michael. Yeah, yeah. they were like, good memory, Hazel. Um, <laughs> they were like, if Michael was somewhere else in a different environment, i.e., if he was white or not black then he would be thriving it's like oh this theme again and the way that they delivered it was very like i read that it was just very very callous it was like well but he's not he's here and he's he's drug trafficking so we're gonna shoot him anyway it was like <laughs> hello <laughs> yeah i felt bad for him because his friend was the one doing all the killing yeah. like he, he only killed one person i think it was almost like not a mistake but like yeah he really didn't want to be killing they, people they made out that he was like in an, an intelligent guy yeah but then his actions didn't reflect how intelligent he supposedly should be mm. and mm. it's like his relationship with the other guy i feel like they kind of they they didn't build on it properly they kind of just slapped yeah. it like, oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was a bit weird actually and it's like, mm. do you really think like their relationship is that strong that he's going to get into a shootout and do all of this with it? Mm. Like, wouldn't it get to a point where it's just like, you go your way, I'm gonna go mine? But he made out like he was dependent on this guy, and but that guy was insane. That mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that guy wasn't saying no, I'd work. I'd essential. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, like, I worry about safety too. Um. So obviously, rest in power, Chadwick Boseman, amazing actor. Um, if you, I haven't watched too many films with him. I, on, to be honest, just Black Panther and the one about the singer. I can't remember on this, but amazing. Mm. I don't know if you guys have, but um, Adrian, did you want to like say anything before we move on? Um, no, I think it's pretty good. I guess the only thing, the only last thing I was thinking about was that I thought it was very interesting that it was like all the white people were the villains and that like all the black people are kind of like innocent people stuck in circumstance yeah i mean i definitely like obviously i don't want black people to be villainized so i'm like maybe that was the best like outcome (laughs) but i think it also would have been interesting to see like if the police force like if the police officer like um i forget who what he was called but like if he was black that would also be kind of interesting if like kind of the one like that had a lot of power and it was seeing the corruption like if he was also black that might have been interesting but i mean whatever just like (laughs) the whole like white people bad black people are just innocent i was like okay all right i'll go with this (laughs) well they kind of portrayed literally like 
black and white. It's like, I want to see some like bad Latinx or Asian police officers. Like, let's mix it up. So speaking of Asian, let's go to Joy Luck Club. I was suggested by Adrian, but LOL, none of us could access it except for Hazel, who actually <laughs> committedly. I rented it. Know, yeah, she rented it. And <laughs> all of us are out here like, we can't <laughs> I should have done that. I think I'm going to have a look to see if I can find it for free first. Well, let me give I you some. Yeah, I'm afterwards, sorry, afterwards, Galal was like, you could have downloaded it for free, but I couldn't find it. And I think I rented it for like $2 or something. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, mine kept getting, giving me yeah. like, don't download from this site. There's a virus. So I got too scared. But yeah. um, I, I commend your dedication. <laughs> let me just um, give you some stats before we briefly talk about this. So. <laughs> I think why this film is important is it came out in 1993 and since then there has been no other Asian American movie since 2019 when Crazy Rich Asians came out. I hope all of you watched it. Sabrina, I like that. <laughs> Sabrina, did you not watch it? No, I have a Crazy Rich Asians though. Where? The book's really, the book's really, really good. It, it's, it's, on, so it's on the watch list. Gosh. It's on Amazon Prime. We're going into second round, so it'll come back in the cycle of binge watching. So, um, anyways, and then All American Girl is a um, TV sitcom that also features an all Asian family, uh, Asian American family. That was in 1994, shortly following the su- success. I put this in quotes because I, I don't think it had um, good ratings um, out of Joy Luck Club. But then, fresh off the boat was the next all Asian American show that came out and that was in 2015. So to go from 1993, 2019, 1994, 2015. It's like, what is up? I'm trying to so, think it's fresh off the boat um, with, is it Eddie Wong? All American Girl, the sitcom review, and this actually mirrored a review that that Joy Luck Club got was, um, it's bland, unfunny, and full of stereotypes. Like, ouch. So why why is this such a problem? And like, why did it get bad reviews? And why hasn't an Asian American film been created since then? Like, well, Hazel watched it, so why don't you start Hazel? uh well when i started watching it i was a bit like what is this <laughs> like <laughs> so it was interesting like i could say i enjoyed watching it but i feel like the acting was not the best and uh, some of the acting was quite flat and a bit yeah quite flat and there were parts of the story where i was like wondering like am I really, really, really ignorant or was this kind of stuff really happening? Because they've got parts where um, one of the older women, when she was living in China, she was originally married off, like agreed with a matchmaker to marry her off, like as a child, as a young child to some rich family. And then the kid was like 14 or 13 or something that she married and the mother-in-law was pressuring her to have kids and stuff. But, But that whole setup, I was like, was that really happening in that in I guess this early 20th century like was that really going on or like do I just not know about that um Mm. and uh yeah they were they were my like main reactions like yeah Mm -hmm. oh I really want to watch it now 
when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, I should have just invested in it. Um, I can't wait to watch it. Um, I like watching, um, like, old films. And um, from what you've said, like, is it true um, to, like, how it was back then? Um, I have no idea with, like, history and things like that. But um, the vibes I got was, like, um, have you ever watched The King and I? Or Anna mm. and the King? Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they're, they're two different films, that, but they're really quite similar. Um, I don't know if it's the same kind of people that were writing both films, mm. but, like, the storyline on it is very similar. Um, and it is, I'm sure it is... Um, a Chinese family that she goes to live with. And I think it's in one of them. I can't remember which one mm-hmm. is Anna in the King or the King and I. Um, mm-hmm. But she's basically an English teacher and mm-hmm. um, she has to like tutor his children and they go from like 18 all the way down to like three or something like that. Um, but you do get those kind of like themes of like, you need to be ready for like marriage and you kind of need to be a presentable person, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, so I would probably say, I got the vibe from the trailer that it probably would be some kind of um, true to life, probably just exaggerated um, a bit. But I always find that with old films, you can, because of what we're used to now in terms of acting, and I would say um, no other kind of like um, society really invests as much in film as like um, the British and like Americans do. Um, and because we like fund each other's films as well. Like I feel like the quality of films or what we're used to seeing has always been high. And a lot of things go off the Hollywood standard. And it's only kind of like today that... Um, like other films have become more acceptable so because again I haven't watched it I'd probably say like in terms of acting it probably just comes down to funding and the fact that um not as much money would have got pumped into the film um as it would be as it would have been if it was like a proper Hollywood film and then going back to what Claire said with the stats and everything um to say an Asian American film again I think because of how like Hollywood in the film industry is I think their reluctancy to to collaborate with anybody that isn't American, British, um, Australian or Canadian, um, I feel like they don't really kind of branch out. Um, I mean, it's racism. That's <laughs> what it is. That is like, but, it literally is that, like, in, yeah, that is Isn't how it a Hollywood film, though? Um, I think it was, ho- it was Hollywood produced, but they were it was kind of a miracle that it was produced in the first place but they produced it and they kind of said like look we've done this and it didn't do well so we're just not going to make this again yeah yeah no i was just i wanted to make that comment because i think joy luck club is a hollywood film so like it's not like it was made in another country or i don't know like it was yeah. a different film industry yeah like it is like a hollywood film <laughs> so i don't know maybe it didn't get as many resources or as much mm. funding which could have mm. led to the reduced quality but it is an american film um just wanted to quickly say that um king and i is uh, it's based in siam just for anyone uh, any of our friends listening i was like no it's not based in china so just making that clear <laughs> yeah i was i was like wait isn't it siam? <laughs> i wasn't sure so i had to look it up 
Yeah, but, like, I hope someone looks this up because I'm not sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I, I just like really quick. I I think it's it is like um on the point of Sabrina, it is a resource thing because um, ba- like I don't know why I'm jumping to the Titanic, but that was like the movie of the '90s, right? Like that has low poor like resources money and money the marketing budget everything mm. went into a splashy whereas joy luck club like i looked at the posters at the time and it wasn't i mean i it's good it's not like subpar by any means but i, I it's like obvious where the priority was i think in my opinion but yeah what about you Adrian? do you have anything you want to add um I mean, I haven't seen Joy Luck Club, so I'm so obviously. I, oh, no, really no one's seen it well. except me. Yeah. Yeah. Adrian oh, suggested it. I thought Adrian I had seen it. Because no. oh. <laughs> I was watching it and I was a bit like, why did someone watch this and recommend this? But, like, I mean, I mean, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> like, it was no. <laughs> interesting and watchable. And I'm, I'm glad I saw it, actually, because I, I think it is worth a watch. But at the same time, I think it was just because it felt very dated and cheesy. I was a bit just mm. like, yeah, yeah. I, I was curious at why I was chosen like, <laughs> because I heard so much about it. Like growing up, like whenever oh, I talked about yeah. like Asian representation, people would always be like, "Oh, well, Joy Luck Club," and like, "Blah blah blah, mm. Joy Luck." Club. Yeah, that was true. And that, I, yeah. I didn't realize the significance of it because I think the day after, I met a bunch of friends and I was like, "I watched the Joy Luck Club last night." Anyone else seen it? And they were all like, "No." But some of them, uh, <laughs> one of them, told me like the significance of it, like that it was like the first big asian american Wait, who, who told you that do i know a them? girl i, ha- I hadn't oh, met her okay. before actually oh, okay. <laughs> um and then she was saying that crazy rich asians was the yeah. the one that came after like years and years later yeah, and yeah, i didn't yeah. know that so i was like okay like um that's in that's interesting and um yeah if you guys ever can get a hold of it like i'm <laughs> really curious to see what anyone else would think and apparently there's a book um, oh i read the yeah, book yeah i like the book oh you read the book yeah so is it it's not based on a real story or anything is it no it's historical fiction i thought oh, oh is it yeah, not it would, it would be a bit much if it was based on someone's real life wait i thought wait adrian did you read it no like i haven't oh. read the book or seen the movie <laughs> but i just keep hearing about it it's like, oh this can be a good chance for me to finally watch that <laughs> it, it's like you can rent you can rent it off youtube for like two dollars or something yeah, i couldn't amazing. find it and then when i talked to borum she was like oh yeah like I, I couldn't watch i was like oh okay maybe we're not watching it so whatever i won't try anymore <laughs> <laughs> um just looking at it yeah it, it is fiction it's not real because uh-huh. I'm yeah. really curious about that historical period like how accurate is the historical stuff because mm-hmm. that just seemed to me like 19th century stuff that was going on but I mean I don't know Chinese history well at all so I yeah. think well oh, so first of all sorry um one of the characters Ming Na Wen is actually in Fresh Off the Boat so she did oh. get off which is interesting but um one one uh, well this is my last comment but if you look at early Asian American authors, you can kind of reading it now, the lens of 2020, it kind of appears that they're trying to pander to white audience. They're trying to like teach them like a little bit of like what Asian culture is. And they have to write because there isn't there wasn't enough Asian American literature out there for them to like know about it. Um, and my feeling was reading this book, like when I was reading, I was like, I know this stuff. Like I kind of learned about it, but it kind of in my opinion kind of read like 
she was trying to show white readers like <laughs> she was trying to like rope them in. it was like a starter book into chinese culture it's not too aggressive but it's not like too um i don't even know what the right word is it, it's not too like exclusive that they wouldn't feel isolated that, that's what it seemed like mm -hmm. to me i don't know if this makes sense but yeah any other Lasting thoughts before we move on to Adrian's other su suggestion, which I hope she watched. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I watched the other one. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, okay, well, should we move on to the. Well, so thanks for watching, Hazel. We will watch it. We Do you want to just in, um, introduce the, the video, Adrian? Uh, yeah, so the last video I recommended, because I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos, like I really like watching YouTube commentary videos. <laughs> so this particular video was talking about how Jenna Marbles was leaving YouTube. And actually, I've never watched Jenna Marbles before. I know like absolutely nothing about her. So uh, like it wasn't like me coming at it from a fan perspective or anything. It was just like, ooh, yes, talking about psychology. I'm interested. <laughs> Anyway, so this video was talking about like how uh, she decided to leave because, you know, even though there are, so if you look at her videos, her videos have been like her progression of her changing over time. And it was kind of like almost like a diary. And, uh, but like, you know, obviously her thoughts and her opinions have changed over time. So things that were slightly problematic in her earlier videos, like, you know, she's addressed them and she like, changed over time and that she didn't have those views anymore but she was saying that she wanted to leave because like her older videos which i think she was even like deleting a lot of her older videos as she went on but some of her older videos even though she didn't have those views anymore they could still be hurtful to someone in 2019 or in 2020 you know so this person was talking about how the way that media is like even if media is really old and it's from like you know, 2000 or like, you know, 2006, whatever, uh, like it can still be accessed by people in the present day and people can still watch it and not understand the context or maybe, or maybe they do understand the context, but still be hurt by it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so someone who hasn't seen all of her videos and seen her <laughs> progression that she's changed, you know, would might think that she still has these types of views or they might be hurt by something in the past. So they were saying that kind of like with the like with the fact that basically all media online kind of exists in the same time, like we can kind of like access all of it now. So it's all kind of still relevant, all kind of still present. Uh, so with that, it's kind of the end of authenticity, because, you know, if you keep these things up, which are older, like either people will use it to try to like cancel you or they might be hurt by it because you know, they don't, they don't see that it's like older and they don't understand like the different times. So I don't know, I thought that idea was kind of interesting that like yeah. media being like very like, like all simultaneous now, like it's just like mm -hmm. all exists within the present day and it kind of has become like timeless in a way. So anyway, I thought that idea was <laughs> interesting. And if you guys have any thoughts on it, I don't know if you watched the video or not. <laughs> but... Who watched the video? I did. Oh. Okay, cool. Uh, just me? <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. I mean, I watched Joy Luck Club, so yeah. I'll try and watch it maybe later yeah. this week. 
Mm. I mean, so, it, yeah, yeah. Feel free to spoil it. Mm. <laughs> well, it, even I was just gonna say, even if you don't watch it, it's still a very relevant topic, so you you can still like comment on it even without mm. watching it. So, um, yeah. Anyone, anyone want to go? Sabrina, do you want to go first? Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I'd agree with um Adrian. Like, I didn't know who she was. Never come across her before. And to say she was a big YouTuber and like live on YouTube, I'm surprised that I haven't really paid attention to her. Mm. Um, but yeah, and they also talked about the whole thing with cancel culture mm. and how um, you'll do something bad or say something bad and how someone will kind of flag it up and like mm. everybody starts canceling you out. Um, and then it was good how they put in different perspectives. So like people that kind of like are a fan of her and of different youtubers what they thought about um the content that she had posted before and like her longtime fans were saying um that the fact that she's been back and she's addressed it and you can kind of see her growth that um that's probably why they like her more as a youtube youtube her uh, can't get my word <laughs> youtuber because yeah. they can see like her growth and they say that where um some YouTubers are becoming less authentic is that the fact that as soon as something's been done wrong or something they'll delete it or they're continually deleting their old um, yeah. content and they said mm. it becomes a problem when people are kind of tuning in and they can't see kind of the growth that you've been on or the fact that they ignore the growth you've been on and that they um, just kind of take things for face value um, I would say the bit that I didn't like is about, um, is it Logan Paul? I can't remember which brother it is. I hated mm. the fact that they included him in it because I don't think he has, he has not grown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I agree. In anything that he does on YouTube. Um, but I've seen some of his clips and I've heard things. It's so bad. I've heard things in the media. But when you think <laughs> of the things that he posts, and it's still relevant like today and some of his actions that he does even with the whole coronavirus thing i don't know if it was him and his brother but the two of them together and their brand is like the poor brothers the way like that yeah i think them in youtube need to kind of sort out their relationship because that is not if i was like the owner of a company that's not the kind of message or the yeah. kind of stuff i would want on my platform because some of the things that them two come out with can be so like damaging um and their views they don't they don't hide their views and their apologies are so half-hearted so to include that in the kind of documentary um where it's talking about this woman and all she's done and how what she's left with now i felt like it didn't give her story the justice the justice it needed because that was kind of thrown in the mix as some kind of like compar comparison and I feel like the way he's gone and some of his views that are so left, the whole point of like this documentary was it was highlighting like cancel culture and how someone has been affected by the content that she's put out there. And even though she's taken it back and kind of apologized, like the effect of her putting it out there to begin with is still lasting. And the fact that she's no longer, I think she's no longer on YouTube. Or she yeah, might she left. But um, her content might be different. But like when they were showing clips of like her reading a comment and you can see like this woman isn't kind of, she's not doing it for the camera. She's genuinely just making content and it's just, she's received a backlash that really did kind of hurt. 
What um, did she say that upset people? I don't. It was a, well. Wait. I used to watch her. So oh, okay. Like, You're since, the only one. <laughs> <laughs> since the early days, so well, yeah. So she was based in Boston. She went to um, Boston University actually, and she did this like hilarious spoof. I forgot what it was, but with like her diploma, and it was like how to fool people into thinking you're pretty and i thought the video was funny especially since this was like 2000 oh god i don't know 13 so she's been around a long time she was even around like a little before that i think like many videos but that like caused her to explode and she was doing like a little spoof and she did something with her degree like what am i gonna do with my degree ha 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 and it was just like silly and then from there she kind of I can't remember specific comments. Um, I purposely didn't look them up because I, I like the way I remember. Maybe that sounds like an excuse. I don't know. But all of her videos used to be really ridiculous, like pile on um, like random bits of food and like shovel it down your mouth kind of humor. And yeah, I think off the cuff, she would say like certain things like very cheap jokes. But uh, in my opinion, I wasn't offended by it, but maybe now through 2020 lens, I would be offended. I, I don't know. Like, but I, I did watch the apology video. So she's left YouTube and uh, I think, I mean, her apology sounded authentic to me, but I think the fact that you're giving up your career that you've had for, you know, seven years plus, because you feel like I, I want to reflect, I want to change is pretty genuine and i think the fact that her videos have mellowed out significantly so it went from like way up here ridiculosity hilarious stuff to all the way down and like her as a video said she changed a lot so i i think just in my opinion this is one rare case where i feel like the apology was genuine and like if we're going to just cancel people left and right, like people do change, right? Like at a certain point, you need to make a mistake. Someone needs to tell you, you can't do this anymore. And then you learn. I'm not saying like she's perfect and the situation is, it's just not black and white. <laughs> that, that That's just what I think. Yeah. Okay. I will comment. Cause actually I do know about like the circumstances of mm. like what she did or what she said. So, yeah. or at least what I've heard is that like a lot of people were criticizing her because she had an older video where she was like doing some skit and she had like gotten like some sort of like spray tan or something so her skin was darker so people like thought she was doing blackface and she was not trying to do blackface that was not the intent but it was like because of the video and because they had like perceived her as being darker it had hurt some people so that was kind of so I think it's interesting because what I've heard about her, I mean, maybe there are other videos that I don't know about, but that's a case that I heard about, um, was that she actually didn't do anything that was like intentionally bad. Like she didn't make any like racist jokes that I've heard of, or like, you know, she didn't even, she didn't try to hurt anybody, but like she unintentionally hurt people with her like portrayals. So this was a case when she was like taking accountability even though she actually didn't have any bad intentions. And so it was kind of like, you know, even though I don't have these intentions, I realize that people can still be hurt by my videos, even if I'm not trying to be offensive or even if though I'm not trying to do anything bad. So I don't want to like minimize people's hurt and I feel bad for it. So I think that's kind of a big reason why she left. And from what I've heard about like her being canceled off like her platform, I feel like it wasn't so much of a case of like her like bending to the pressure of people but just like she herself realized that she didn't yeah. want to 
do it anymore because she, you know, she just, because of the reasons that she gave. So it wasn't necessarily that she got like bullied off the platform. It was like her own decision. I mean, she was at the point where I feel like if she wanted to keep going, she would have kept going. She still would have had a career because she was just so big. Yeah. And I think the majority of people did like, you know, did recognize her growth and did see that a lot of the things that she did were like not intentional, you know, so I, I, yeah, I I think she definitely could have stayed on YouTube. Like, I mean, not that I've really like kept up on (laughs) what fans she has or like what people are saying about her. So I don't know, maybe it was the backlash was more intense than what I heard. But from Mm -hmm. the videos that I saw that looked at her, like they were saying that like the backlash was actually not that big you know but she just decided that she wanted to take accountability for it anyway so. yeah yeah i mean i just for the sake of time do you want to just um say your comments serena we'll just quickly move on to our last one yeah i was gonna say they were just saying that as well um towards the end that you could just see that she wasn't like passionate about it anymore um mm-hmm. and then what else it um addressed was like the comments some of the comments that she was getting and um, from always reading comments on YouTube, there's people on there that um, just the way that they talk to YouTubers mm-hmm. and give their like, I know freedom of speech, you can give your opinion, but like, as they're like, people exploit the fact that they can do that. And they literally like, they will go on there trolling just to literally make someone feel shit about themselves. Yeah. And I think the comment that really got me triggered watching that was the other YouTuber that was, com- like, she did a whole video about it, saying, oh, um, <clears throat> waste because she strayed from a vegan path. And myself, like, one, who cares if she's gained weight? Like, why do you need to, why do you yeah. need to about the fact that she's doing to gain weight? And second of all, like, like, doesn't matter if she's a vegan or not like bringing up someone's kind of like preference or like their values or how they choose to live and create a whole video about it it's just like loads of people actually um complain to her saying that you're out of order and like this is a form of bullying and she even got on a video to like defend herself to the girl um to jenna saying um she didn't mean in any kind of malicious way and she wasn't bullying her and i was like but your whole video was unnecessary. And I feel like it's comments and kind of actions like that, that probably kind of like chipped away at her kind of like over time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hard work. Um, you've made mistakes like everyone does. You've apologized genuinely about your mistakes and you're still getting people just commenting and picking on you for no, for no reason. And to be in the spotlight all the time, um i feel like yeah i think if she didn't quit um with how things are in 2020 i think if things carried on people would have Mm -hmm. found any other reason to kind of drag her down a bit further so i feel like for her own mental health it probably was a good idea that she kind of took a step back from it Mm -hmm. also Mm -hmm. content is free people need to chill like it's free like let them be anyways um right so last one rbg so another um another sad passing um Mm -hmm. honestly like what such a tragedy like what a legacy um so did everyone (laughs) watch this yeah (laughs) so adrian kindly submitted a question so yeah do do you just want to take it away adrian (laughs) 
Sure. All right. So my question is, throughout RBG's time on the Supreme Court, she stopped trying to speak with the majority and compromise and instead would often voice her dissenting opinion. Do you think this was a better strategy to take? Would your opinion change with the different political climate? So, like, I thought it was interesting that she kind of had this progression of, like, first she was saying, like, she really wanted to, like, try to get people over to her side and kind of tried to, like, um, you know, get people to agree with her. And then it ended up being, like, like as the Supreme Court became more conservative, she was like, no, I'm just going to voice my dissenting opinion. Like, you know, that's it. I want to, like, say what I mean. I don't agree with them. So I thought it was interesting to see, like, the progression of her change and, like, I wondered how much it had to do with like the political climate or had to do with like her own feelings changing and if that kind of like influences whether it's better to have a more like conciliatory stance towards people to try to like convince them to be on your side or if it's better to have like a more like aggressive stance to convince them. So, you know, it's just something that I think about a lot. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was interesting to see that within the documentary. So if you have any thoughts about that. Um, anyone want to go? I mean, I, I have a thought, but I can I can go second. Anyone uh, want to start off? Um, just a few kind of like points from it. Um, so I was I'd never heard of her before this year. Same, um, same. <laughs> yeah, I am I am not a political person in the slightest. <laughs> so um, I did find it like really interesting to watch. Um, and I would say her change probably came with age as well because um, she has been around for a very long time and she's gone through so much and contributed so much. I think, do you know, when you get towards the ending, you just think, you know what, fuck it. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and especially compared when she started out, like yeah. they didn't even want to even listen to women. So, yeah, it's a, yeah. yeah, she got older and society changed. Yeah, yeah, I've She'd been through so much. And, you know, when you finally kind of, they allow you to have a seat at the table. But by the time you've got to the table, you're just so pissed off at how long <laughs> you that you don't have manners anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, don't, you don't ask for things, you, you just take what you want. And I feel like she had every right to. Um, and I think she was interviewed by someone and they criticised her for her comments. I think, was it against Trump? Mm. Um, oh then, yeah when she like, yeah oh, so yeah. inappropriate like a person in that <laughs> shouldn't come out with something like that and I just thought look how old this woman is in comparison <laughs> to really think she's got time for his shit like, <laughs> like, why is it that you should sugarcoat things like she's given her she's given her opinion and it was a very valid one too and i think that's what people didn't like is that she was straightforward cutthroat and it was the truth it's like you she's saying the uncomfortable truth what people want to ignore and i feel like she always comes from a place of like truth so it's like she's not kind of making a big song and dance for nothing it's like it needs to be things need to be said it needs to be be addressed well, she had an amazing support network. Like her husband did lift her up, which is pretty, I mean, this should be the standard, but it was pretty radical for, for her day. And I really admire her dedication to her health, even for the end, her work ethic, you know, her daughter, her children are lawyers, of course, um, 
Her daughter was saying she worked Monday to Friday until like 4 a.m. Her husband would have to drag her to dinner and then she would just pass out, you know, on the weekend, but she still made time for opera. It's like this woman. <laughs> but um, I know. What and when I, she was at university yeah. and her husband had cancer. Oh my God. And she had young, a kid. She had a kid. I was like, two kids. What? Wait, two kids? No, one kid. At that point, she had one, one child, yeah. but it was just like, how does she do that? How did she? It do just, that? it's just truly. And I think, um, actually no I'll leave with this I think just to go back to Adrian's question um I do admire that she stuck to not just her gut and what was right and comfortable truth and that but she stuck to the statistics and the research and the law so um you know for the equal uh the lead better versus Goodyear tires if you remember that case that woman found out that she wasn't getting equal pay um as her male counterparts um so she actually dissented um, against her colleagues, and that actually resulted in Obama signing the uh, Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act in 2009. So actually, yeah, dissenting does hold true um, to like some some sort of outcome because you know you're SCOTUS, you're going to it's a very powerful position. So even if you dissent, if you go against the grain, something will result from it. Someone will always look at that, and like an action will come out of it. Now, if we're talking about like, oh, if you dissent during a meeting at work, not as powerful, maybe as like an act, but still, I mean, I think in principle, it is really, really powerful. I think it is a good strategy. Um, and I think what makes her RBG is because um, her opinion didn't change with, well, I think in my opinion, her opinion didn't, I think her principle didn't change with political climates. Like look at Trump look at um she was with oh my god oh clinton oh my god i almost said bush that's embarrassing but clinton you still didn't change and she like charmed them uh, she charmed clinton got herself nominated and confirmed and she held true to her word and didn't get swayed which is amazing but i just don't understand how she was friends with um scalia they were oh, yeah. polar opposites like yeah that was funny. they had different strategies as well yeah like he he probably hated when she decided because she's rocking the boat like how do you do that how are you how are you friends with someone who's your political polar opposite <laughs> like do you guys are you guys friends with anyone like that like i i'm just so confused not that different i don't think <laughs> i think it's probably easier for her to be friends because just the nature of what she was like as a person mm. i think you always find that there, there there's people out there that you can just gravitate towards i think it doesn't matter like how i wouldn't say how different your views are because that does have a factor mm. but even if your views are different to some degree you can always kind of see eye to eye in some way or you just know when to stop um when you're up against that person mm. um and when you look at everything she's done, she really was like superwoman. Oh, um, yeah. When she started off to like towards the end. Um, and you saw what you said about her, like the how much importance that she put on her health. I thought, wow, like look how old you are and I'm in bed contemplating she works she works like 18 hour days and yeah. still <laughs> she came from a time where work ethic was like through the roof mm -hmm. um so i feel like you can definitely see the way that she's been raised and kind of like how she's grown as a person because she really kind of kept that together to the end mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm really sad talking about this. Um, yeah, especially seeing her replacement. <laughs> like... Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh. It my felt strange out. to me to see this documentary after she died, right? Because, mm. yeah, like Sabrina, I didn't know who she was until she died, actually. And then this documentary was made before she died. So I felt sad that I didn't know who she was when she was alive. Um, yeah. But then don't you think that this is the kind of this is the kind of person that we should be taught about in school? Like, yeah, I, I felt really like yeah, yeah. outraged that I didn't know who she was. I was like, how? Yeah. how I don't I know who this woman is. Yeah, I think it's I hate the fact that there's certain like influential women that have made such an impact on things that we do to this day um that we never get taught about but we get taught about um Mm. someone that made an impact for that moment in time yeah um i don't want to discredit like what some women have done but i just i just think it's funny how history is selective or we're taught selective things when it comes to I think we're never kind of taught about how women are uplifting mm. or through the years it's kind of like this is what this woman contributed to the war so mm. what else have women contributed in life apart from just the war they've either contributed mm. in the war raised kids and supported their husband in factories and then fell off the map until like mm. they decided light on michelle obama and in between it's like no one i feel like the level of praise that like she she really did kind of set the allow women to kind of be put on a pedestal for something other than fashion or beauty um Mm. and it's only now that we have to keep digging through the past and finding women like ruth that have done so much it's like oh but this person's been around like longer than me have I not heard about this person Mm. why do we have to backtrack for history to learn about influential women when you just Mm. see men all the time and oh influential men I don't need to read a book to know who ruined the world (laughs) (laughs) because she she's so inspirational like yeah it would do a lot of people a lot of good to know that someone like this existed and that other people can be like that too like I was so impressed by her like yeah. I haven't been that impressed by someone in a long time just like learning about their life I was learning about her life I was just like whoa like I was so impressed like it had quite a big impact on me and it's like I feel like it could have a lot of impact on a lot of people if they knew yeah like if they knew more about her or there must yeah. be a whole bunch of other people that I don't know about and most people don't know about well in um Claudia the uh, what's it called babysitters club if you guys if you all have watched it claudia kishi uh puts a collar up before a math test and she's like today i'm channeling my rbg look so i can do well on my math test it was so cute so i would not have understood it <laughs> I would have well, that's the reference see no, um, now i would i am aware though as amazing as this i mean yeah i, I am aware we're talking about two um two losses today like rbg and chadwick Boseman, but um I think, you know, we are talking about this is very US based. And I know Mm -hmm. that itself is a problem. Like we should be it should be global. But um, the fact of the matter is like, you know, when we talk about politics, when we talk about the law, it it is implied like, oh, you need to know what's going on in the US. And I, I, I know that is a problem. 
but the current reality is that you know rbg she you might not have heard of her but because she influenced like the fair pay act for example that i just mentioned that kind of like causes ripples in like the legal world because other countries they follow like the law school system the legal system so i think on the one hand you know that makes me glad because it's like oh this woman amazing she like touched upon like so many lives you didn't even know but on the other hand it i think it is it's problematic the right word i don't know it is it is an issue that everything we are talking about has a huge u.s focus mm-hmm. i don't know what the solution is i really honestly don't i mean even the election you two knew about the election hazel and sabrina for obviously because this is a podcast <laughs> um <laughs> uh, but yeah i don't know like when so when you two hazel and sabrina when you two are watching this um like you were watching it through a non-american lens like what what did you like, did you think like oh this is like really important like did you immediately think oh there are counterparts in like the british legal system like did that occur to you too at all i think for me watching it i just thought she's just an incredible woman i think i didn't mm-hmm. really like place her or put emphasis on the fact that um it was to do with the us to me it was like wow mm-hmm. like um there's so many inequalities like around the world that women face um and even though this her story was unique to america there's someone out there that is probably going through the exact same thing it's just in a different part of the world and we just don't know about it yeah um so for me i think i connected on the level that she was a female she'd been through shit and she'd really kind of just held it together and just kept pushing and um I think the way that our education systems have taught us is just to kind of understand what goes on in your country. And even then, you don't know everything that goes on. It's just a very kind of whitewashed version of of history. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we were brought up in a way that when we did history, we learned the history of the world, then I think we would be a lot more appreciative of like different cultures but not only that i feel like we would respect people a lot more in particular women there's so many women across the world that have done so much and we just don't know about it because we're not kind of we're not really taught to um kind of i wouldn't say respect women because that's not the word but when we're when we're in school we don't really acknowledge about um about many yeah yeah i'm trying to think women in high positions we're never really taught to to kind of Mm. witness women in high positions or even Mm. aspire to women in high positions like whenever we're given examples a lot of examples are kind of like what what a man has achieved or what a man has done to Mm. change the country or steps Mm. that they've made um and Mm. yeah i'm struggling to think of any women i learned about now the only one i can think about is marie antoinette like literally in a history class, I'm trying to think of other women I learned about and I can't, literally can't think. It's actually hard or-, or She Henry. literally just ate cake. Or flipping Henry VIII's wives, like- Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Yeah. The only also, one I remember- uh, Elizabeth yeah. I, I don't know, Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria, that would have been the main, the main one. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I never learned about one, Elizabeth um, 
like you like this this touches upon many themes like it's what you two brought up that um where where the women at you know <laughs> like the ones that are doing it like worldwide and within our own curriculum one two like preservation of her own like soul like she in this woman loved the opera she went to the opera she made time to go to the opera you know what i mean like self-care like she was doing it even before <laughs> it was trendy like how did she do it and to be like completely absorbed into something you absolutely love for like 18 plus hours like yeah like of it's course amazing. like i've been yeah exactly like i've read a book before but within like maybe three hours i'll be like right it's time to go to bed like i've never been like <laughs> you know it's just so yeah. many themes that just come up in this that are like i think to divide like so many stereotypes of what who, who got sorry make a woman out to be wait say that again who got she, hmm? sorry start over who got um, what? i said i think she uh oh. Oh, i don't even know what word i used um yeah she defies oh. every oh, yeah. stereotype that like society tries to make women out to be like yeah. she showed that she can be um the wife and the provider and mm -hmm. actually like support her husband she showed that she can be a mother um she showed that she can like have a really high status good paying job like in the end um but it's like look what she had to kind of get through to kind of show women that you can just you can live a life with just like a man's basically you can you can still do these things you don't have to better be yeah like yeah. when we're reading books at school they teach you like how women are supposed to be or how women are perceived but then mm. even when um i know it's what they touched a bit on like um the pay gap and women's rights and men's rights, et cetera. But that was in sociology. And that was when I was about 16 doing A-level. Mm -hmm. So when I think of like all the time I've gone through in school, it's not until I'm getting ready to leave school and it's a subject that I chose where I'm really learning about kind of like the struggles women have had to kind of face and how they've had to kind of get equality, et cetera, when we should be taught that women can be anything from a very young age why do we have to kind of get that far through school to mm -hmm. learn that we can have um these kind of things and i feel like now when we're kind of working um i feel like the confidence to kind of like defy um like the male dominated work environment like it's not as there is not really that strong because we haven't really being taught that yeah we can kind of fit in this space with them as well mm. and well, I just, i'm I going oh sorry yeah. <laughs> wait sorry say that again what that it highlighted a lot of what we're lacking and what we've missed out on through the structure of how our education system's been <laughs> mm. i mean uh, i think this is a little bit uh, it did kind of occur to me what what it would have been like had she not gone to Harvard or she transferred to Columbia, right? Those are very prestigious law schools. Had she not gone to those schools or had she not been white, I wonder what it would have been like. Um, but regardless of that, obviously it was, I think she capitalized on our resources to make it work. And that that is a huge difference. Like all of us do have resources to a degree at our disposal and each of us have our privilege, right? Um, 
but I, I, I just I don't know how she just connected it all together and just made it work. I just find that incredibly like motivational and amazing. And I'm just praying that because she said something like, I don't know if you guys saw this. She said something like um, the pendulum will like swing back when it goes to the extremes. So I'm just like praying fervently <laughs> that it will swing right back because currently Supreme Court is extremely, extremely powerful. And right now it is, even if we, um, even if like uh, there's a Democrat majority in all three um, parts of the government, you know, like Supreme Court matters. So uh, um, Adrian, do you have any, any thoughts before we, we wrap up? Oh, yeah, sorry, my dog was barking. That's why I can't like look at it. Sydney, sad. right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, this is so Sydney. loud. Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I guess, uh, you know, so um, I was trying to think of like what women that I had learned about in school that were really powerful. And like mm. the main one that came to my mind was like Harriet Tubman. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. And I was like, Harriet Tubman. Susan B. Anthony, and those are all the names that I can remember. I don't think Harriet Tubman was in a very powerful position in uh, government or anything. Definitely. I don't know who that is. But, who is that? Oh, she was. Um, I'm just kidding. She was like a, a former slave in the U.S., and she ended up leading people, like a lot of slaves, to freedom. Oh, underground yeah, Railroad. Okay, yeah, through the underground. Maybe I railroad. have heard of her. Yeah. You, you but, probably, like, you probably have. Yeah, the mm -hmm. overall. Feeling, I think, though, in a lot of, uh, at least from what I remember of U.S. education, is it was very like, oh, we've moved past these problems. These are no longer a problem. <laughs> yeah. We had gender inequity in the past, but not now. And like, oh, we had like racial inequity in the past, but not now. So it All was good very here. like, <laughs> like you know, looking at like, like post the problem, like, oh, we've already fixed it. Don't worry. <laughs> And then it's not until you get older, you're like, no, the problem is definitely not fixed. <laughs> like, it's worse. And, <laughs> yeah, and like, and maybe, I mean, and like, it's not something that can be easily fixed, you know, and that is part of the problem, <laughs> you know, that some of these things are just, you know, they have like such deep, you know, deep roots and history and thought that, you know, it doesn't really, it's not like, oh, yeah, we changed one law and now everything is fine, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, sure. um, so just comment on, I guess, women in that way. And then I also wanted to note that her dissenting opinions were just so eloquent. Like the one yes. where she was like, it's uh, mm. where she was talking about them getting rid of the voting discrimination law. And she was saying like, this is the same as throwing away your umbrella in a, in a storm because <laughs> yeah. you are not getting wet. And I was like, oh my God, that's just amazing. Like the way she phrased things was just incredible. Yeah, I really, I really so loved beautiful. it when they had those voice <laughs> clips, especially the ones from like way yeah. back. It was really mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. She had yeah. the one where she fought the, the oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot the military school. And I remember the guy mm -hmm. against her, he, he was like, yeah, I got creamed. <laughs> yeah. in this competition yeah, I so love funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, she was he amazing didn't prepare. he didn't even prepare he was like I was a woman coming or something like, yeah but he was like, I, he like she was amazing like I tried to present this opinion but you know I wasn't really sure it was gonna work and as you know I failed it was just like so upbeat and like yeah <laughs> <laughs> but she that's the thing the dead that's what I'm saying like she utilized everything she had she was eloquent 
her everything was like a hundred percent her deliver like i think she re- must have you know like she was like 30 steps ahead she knew the repercussions she knew i'm going to deliver this judgment it will be read for years to come whereas like yeah. you know like I-, I write an email i'm like yeah it'll be fine <laughs> and someone someone said i can't remember if it was her daughter granddaughter or like member of staff was like she cares about every single word she looks at every always her granddaughter i think do you remember that it was like oh yeah 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 i can see that (laughs) yeah well her granddaughter brings her essays or whatever to her imagine having rbg be your grandmother Hi, can I help with my essay, please? (laughs) Oh my God, the pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you would be guaranteed an A. Well, if you didn't get an A, you'd be like, um, hello, this is SCOTUS approved. approved by the Supreme Court, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Um, Yeah, this is, well, just, I don't want to end on like a sad note, so, um, yeah, thanks to thanks to RBG. Um, I'll probably rewatch that at some point. Um, mm. I don't know. Should we just all like go around and share a happy thought to end? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to end on this because today's the election and it's you know it's just, like, down to reality. It's like, you know. um, do you want to share maybe like a favorite moment in the in the film? Maybe just just end. Just like a brief scene, scene, like in any of the films that any of the stuff that we talked about so far, RBG, 21 Bridges, the YouTube clip, or Joy Luck Club. <laughs> My favorite part of Joy Luck Club. <laughs> I think I'll go first. I'm okay. not sure the exact scene in R RBG. Yeah. Um, but it's when I can't remember which guy it was, but he's saying that he had low expectations from her because she was like a female wait uh, isn't that what adrian just said hmm? is that why is that what adrian said earlier i i think so but i'm not uh, sure sorry keep going that was my favorite bit because i just thought it's just so typical that you're walking to like a room or an environment and because you're like the only female there that men have low expectations of you and then just to see like how far she's come yeah. i feel like the petty in me would definitely be like in your face <laughs> okay women are cool too like i just really like it just un- it just showed everything like that women have to go through just being yeah. looked down upon because we're a women we're female and we we're not seen with such high regard so yeah mm. i think that mm. kind of just highlighted everything mm. yeah. who wants to go next <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, like I said before, I guess my favorite part of RBG was just like hearing all of her dissenting opinions and just how eloquent they all were. And just, mm. I don't know, hearing her like turn the phrase, it was just like, oh, it's so good. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like not only as a woman, but also, you know, as someone who likes to read and likes words, it just felt so like powerful and satisfying. Yeah. And it just made me feel really powerful. Like. I don't know as a woman so it just it made me really happy 
all of the words deliver the right punches it was like exactly like, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. yeah like there was no word wasted it was exactly <laughs> yes. what she wanted to say yes. perfectly described and it was just like oh my god <laughs> like, i long so for good. that skill yeah yeah oh, i was going um hazel i can't think of like a specific favorite scene but i just i really loved the documentary rbg so much i was so happy like you know when you sometimes from time to time you watch something and you're like I'm so happy I watched that like yeah I'm really happy I yeah. learned about her and I really enjoyed it and I just thought it was very inspirational and mm -hmm. I guess I especially like the bits that were focusing more I guess on her early career maybe oh yeah. when she was at university and then maybe the 10 20 years after that like because yeah obviously in those days she really faced a lot of like people just thinking oh she's just some woman like and yeah. literally saying it to her face the woman remember the woman she was trying to defend I think it was the military woman she went into an office and they were all like what are you doing here like yeah like was it her who said that maybe it was the one about the equal pay I don't know that they, they were talking about no I think it was before like just the way she was treated or not she but the way the women she was defending were treated and the way I guess society expected her to be in everything so I just thought it was like particularly impressive to see yeah. all of that period of time her career and yeah like, that was especially interesting and inspirational yeah I mean I just love when she was showing like this collar I wear when I deliver my opinions this collar <laughs> was delivered to me by uh, I think it was someone from Hawaii. Yeah. Disrespectful. But she was like, this, was like, oh, you are a queen. You're like, I never even knew that. I didn't know this. She had different, or, is that right? Colors? Like, yeah. Oh, so, love it. Um, I just want to say, um, sorry that we went a little bit over. Uh, I love how we did this. And I'll email all of you for the December one. We'll make it like holiday inclusive, but like holiday themed um like december holiday themes um but i'll ask you for your suggestions as well but yeah any any last words before we end ah uh, i just want to ask is does everyone know who rbg is in america uh, uh the pretty much i'd say i mean i don't so. know when i first heard about her but definitely not like definitely within like the last five years i'd say mm. like not and not like last year or the year before like maybe like three or four years ago at least i've known who she was mm. if not more but mm -hmm. what do you think um, um i mean i first really <laughs> i thought i wanted to go to law school lol um <laughs> so i classic asian thoughts <laughs> well yeah yeah. No, but I, I thought I to be honest, I really like law because you're powerful, right? You're using that is true. you know your intellect and all that jazz. And she came into my frame of reference like in two thousand like when I was at, at uni and it's impossible not to encounter her when you're studying law. Um, but I think I would say like there are probably people who haven't heard of her, especially in Thornton States, not gonna go there. But mm -hmm. they will have heard of her now because when Trump mm -hmm. was a candidate, she just delivered those remarks. I thought it was hilarious yeah. and it's so true. I read it as if the fact that a SCOTUS judge is saying that speaks volumes on the type of candidate <laughs> he is. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it was a little unprofessional. I agree. You have to be objective. But I thought like, hello, people, wake up. This is the type of candidate he is. But no, people got offended and there was a backlash. But it all worked yeah. out. It was fine. 
<laughs> yeah, that was a good question. Um, Serena, do you have any? Do you have any thoughts? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I really enjoy this. Um, I'm gonna try my hardest not to say guys anymore because, um, yeah, I don't. know. It's really hard not to though. But yeah, I really enjoy this with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started saying y'all too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. What time is it, Hazel? It's uh, a- 11 42. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. Sorry, it's okay. so late. I am sorry, going so late. Okay. Is it 11 a.m. for you in uh, Canada, Adrian? Yeah, like uh, 10.40. Okay, you need to eat lunch, and me and Serena have to go back to emails. Uh. <laughs> All right, yeah, thank you so much, um, y'all. I almost said <laughs> I'm really sorry we went over, but yeah, I'll be in touch. Okay, everyone, have a great uh, evening, afternoon, and I'll yeah have a good week, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. 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 bye.